I didn't think I would make it out alive. From when they came inside our hostels, I had already given up. But then, they said they would not kill us, but that they would kill all the boys, most especially the older ones. After the massacre, I was so scared of going back to school. This is Vestiges of Violence. A weekly podcast about personal stories of violence victims. For Human Angle, I am Hamida. After the Boni Yadi massacre occurred, many people assumed that the school that had been attacked was an all-boys school. This was because there was no news of what happened to the girls. But it was a federal government college and there were definitely girls in the school. Were they killed or abducted? For a long time, the media could not tell. I was in JSS 1 when it happened. We had just resumed from our midterm break. Some students had not even resumed, but the majority were back. So the night after we resumed, we were even in bed. And you know students don't sleep early, but that day, we went to bed early. Then around 11 p.m., we started hearing gunshots. That was Hafset Omar. She remembers she and her friends started to panic immediately after the gunshots started. They knew they had come under attack. Despite this knowledge, there was very little they could do. So they stayed put. Some of them tried to hide. Others started to wail. And then the terrorists came into the hostels, armed. They entered all the rooms, brought us out, and gathered us in the mosque. They sat down and preached to us that we should stop going to school. Western education is prohibited. They said they wouldn't kill us, but they will continue going to schools to attack those who enroll for Western education and would hurt us in the future if they find us going to school again. After what seemed like a lifetime of preaching and terror, as some tried to find their way to the boys' hostel, they asked one of the girls for help. They picked one girl amongst us and said she should accompany them to the boys' hostel. She had no choice but to do so. As they approached the hostel, some of the boys were able to escape. The girls were then escorted back to the mosque by one of the terrorists. As they sat there in the mosque, terrified, they were forced to listen to the preaching from the men who stood guard over them. But they also had to listen to the wailing of the boys in the buildings outside, being killed, and the buildings collapsing as they burned. Finally, after hours, it ended. They left us inside the mosque and left. We were there until daybreak when we started hearing people around. That was when we came out and saw dead bodies littered around. Some people slept on the tree. Everyone was just coming out from where they hid. As for those that were killed, some were burnt and others were shot. People also came. They took those that were still alive to the hospital and then carried the dead bodies and took them to the mortuary. None of my classmates was killed. 
they were mostly my seniors. But Hafset recognized many of the dead bodies still. There was a particular boy who she knew closely. The first body she saw when she walked out of the mosque was his. His name was Buffa. He used to come to the staff quarters a lot during the holidays because some of his cousins lived there. I saw him a lot because my family lived in the staff quarters too at the time. After Buffa, I saw one of my classmates that was shot, but he was alive. I think he was shot in the leg. Even though it had been nine years since the tragedy, Hafset still remembers these events vividly. The image of Buffa's dead body is what has stayed with her the most. This episode of Vestiges of Violence was produced with support from the African Transitional Justice Legacy Fund. It is part of our ongoing Boni Yadik massacre coverage. In the series, we are telling the stories from the perspective of staff, parents of the deceased boys, and one boy who survived. The story was reported and scripted by Hawa Shafinuhu, edited by Kunde Adibajong, produced by Atahiro Jibrin. A quick note about our voice acting. All dramatizations in this episode are based on actual interviews conducted with the subject. Voice acting by Rokaiya Said. The senior producer is Anthony Asamuta. The executive producer is Ahmed Salikida. For more stories, go to humananglemedia.com and find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. I am Hamida. <laughs>